Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to the Philly Sports Power Hour on this Tuesday in January after a historic performance at the Wells Fargo Center last night by Joel Embiid, dropping 70 points, a new franchise record. Definitely got to talk some Sixers today after that performance. Also got to talk about this Philadelphia Eagles team. Because we talked a little bit about it yesterday. We knew Sean Desai was gone. We knew Matt Patricia was most likely gone. But now from our man Derek Gunn, who was on the Legal Hands of the Face show last night, Brian Johnson will also not be returning as offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles. So we're going to talk about all of that. And I want to talk a little bit about Jalen Hurts as well. Obviously, the article came out. Yesterday from Bleeding Green Nation, Joe Santa Liquido, who's going to be on Sports Take coming up after the Power Hour. I'll be covering again for Tone, so you'll have me and Rob Ellis today on Sports Take. We got Santa Liquido joining. We got Keith Pompey joining to talk some Sixers on Sports Take as well. So get ready, guys, because you get me for four hours on the Jacob Sports YouTube channel. What a day it is. We're also live on TikTok. We'll be live on TikTok for the next hour. If you guys want to follow the Sports Take show, you could jump over to YouTube. I'll give you the link for that at the end of the show. But good morning, everybody. How is everybody doing today? I see a lot of guys checking in already in the chat. Wine Niners Wine here nice and early. Listen to the Legal Hands to the Face show last night. Wants to know why we haven't mentioned Rex Ryan as defensive coordinator. One, I appreciate the support on the Legal Hands of the Face show, and we'll get into it. And we'll talk Sixers first, but we'll get into some of these D.C. candidates later on in the show. But yeah, if you guys aren't already following the Legal Hands of the Face show, make sure you are. You can follow us here on YouTube on Bill Calarulo Legal Hands of the Face Sports Talk. You can follow me on all your favorite social media platforms. If you just like listening to the audio, you could download it on any podcast platform as well, Legal Hands to the Face. Last night, we had Derek Gunn, great conversation with D-Gunn, talking all things Philadelphia Eagles, Jalen Hurts, the coordinator search, so be sure to check that out. Who else we got in the house today? Adams Exploits, Jim G, Jimmy Wen, Jason A-Team, Flexin and Steppen, Elliot Jesser. Who else we got here? Invincible, David Laprati, Chwiz. Eagles fan, Big D, Kevin Savard, Carlos, B. Rufo, Slagger, Antonio King, Denise Larada, WCBJJ, Bobby Murphy. I apologize if I miss some people. M. Reyes, a lot of people in the house today. Let me get a little check-in from our TikTok crew as well. But good to see everybody. 
What's up, Brian Lippincott? Good to see you, my friend. And I love that some of you guys engage with me on social media. I know Brian Lippincott follows me on Twitter. I get stuff from him, Wine Niners Wine. I get some stuff from him as well. So make sure you're following me on all the social media platforms. Would love to engage with you guys, get your opinions on my videos, on what you think, because we're posting daily content about the Philadelphia Eagles. So would love for you guys to engage on those social platforms as well. So make sure you're following after the show. So let's talk about the 76ers. And I see people on TikTok asking some Eagles questions. We'll get into the Eagles. There's always things to talk about with our Philadelphia Eagles. But how do we not talk about, to start the show, Joel Embiid last night? Going up against Wemby, the French rookie sensation. And he said, young fella, you may be the future, but I am the present. I am dominating this league. And he puts up 70 damn points last night in a 133-123 win against the San Antonio Spurs. Sixers win their sixth in a row, but that's not the story. Obviously, the story is Joel. Sets a 76ers franchise record. And he does it on the 18-year anniversary of the historic Kobe Bryant, 81-point game. How cool is that? And you can see after the game, Joel posts a picture of him holding the 70 sign, and then there's a picture of young teenage Joel wearing a Kobe Bryant jersey. Pretty incredible stuff, man. This is why we love sports. Gives you goosebumps when stuff like that happens. But he, this, listen to some of these things, guys. So Joel Embiid is the first player ever to post a stat line, 70 points, more than 15 rebounds, and at least five assists. He drops 70 last night, has 18 boards, and five assists. Unbelievable. First player ever to do it. And I see Flexen and Steppen in the chat talking about Carl Anthony Towns dropped 62 last night and loses. So, number one, he's not the story simply because Joel puts up 70, and they also lose the damn game, Carl Anthony Towns. But let's talk about Joel, and I see it already in the chat. Jim G. Sorry, no doubt he was beyond amazing, but let's see this in May. And that's what I want to talk about today, guys, because are we so focused on the playoffs? I'm guilty of it, too. Every single time Joel does something, all I think is, well, are they going to get out of the second round? But are we so focused on the playoffs that we are failing to enjoy one of the greatest seasons we may ever see in a Sixers uniform? Are we not appreciating Joel Embiid's greatness? He's doing things that nobody has ever done in a Sixers uniform since Wilt Chamberlain. Are we failing to appreciate that greatness? And trust me, guys, I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to myself. Because I watch these Sixers games, and I watch Joel do things 
And I immediately go to, well, is he going to get out of the second round? Is he going to be healthy when the playoffs comes around? And I think we do need to appreciate what we're watching. Because it truly is remarkable what you're seeing from Joel Embiid. Listen to some of these things, okay? Right now, Joel Embiid is averaging 36.1 points per game. Leads the NBA, and not only does it lead the NBA, there's not anyone within two and a half points of him for his average. Luka's got 33.6 points a game. He's averaging 11.6 rebounds a game. That's fifth in the NBA. And on top of it, close to six assists. If he could maintain that stat line, there's no one that's ever done that except for Wilt. And the craziest stat that I saw coming out of last night was Joel Embiid has been on the court for 1,096 minutes this season. 1,096. And in those 1,096 minutes, he has 1,156 points. He has more points than he does minutes on the court. He's amazing. He is absolutely amazing, and I do think that all of us are guilty of not appreciating the greatness that we're watching right now. And understandably so. We've seen this story before where Joel dominates in the regular season and then the playoffs come and they can't get out of the second round. But things do feel different this year. Maybe I'm just convincing myself of that. But things feel different. There's a better coach, no doubt, in Nick Nurse than Glenn Doc Rivers. He has a better supporting cast as far as depth. I still think they may be missing that third scorer, but there are so many depth pieces on this team. And here's what I found the craziest, though, from last night. Joel becomes the ninth player ever to put up 70 points in an NBA game. And there's some interesting names that have never put up 70. So listen to the names of the nine players who have put up 70 points in an NBA game. And if you're here in the chat, let me know what names jump out that aren't on this list. Because immediately when I saw this list, there were four names that popped into my head that I couldn't believe have never put up 70. You got Wilt Chamberlain. Obviously, he scored 100 points. He put up 76 times in his career. Kobe Bryant put up 81 in 2006. David Thompson, 73 in 1978. And then crazily, Damian Lillard and Donovan Mitchell both put up 71 last season. David Robinson, the Admiral, 71 in 1994. Elgin Baylor, 71 in 1960. Devin Booker, 70 in 2017. And now Joel Embiid, 70 points in 2024. And I see people in the chat already giving some names that surprise you never had a 70-point game. Jim G, Joe Biden is the president, and 
Jimmy Wen all talking about people that I thought immediately of. So notably, Michael Jordan never had a 70-point game. He had 69, though. I went and looked it up to see how close Jordan got. Jordan put up 69 points on March 28, 1990. LeBron James never had a 70-point game. The closest he's come, 61 points in March of 2014. Got to go back nine years almost. Shaquille O'Neal, the closest he came, 61 points back in March of 2020. And then I wanted to see AI. I knew AI never did it because this was the franchise record, but AI had some great scoring performances. The most he ever put up was 60 points in February of 2005. So interesting. But here's what else I found interesting is, obviously, Wilton still put up 70 points in the 60s a bunch. Then nobody else did it until 1978. So you have the 60s with Wilt. No one else does it till 1978. David Thompson. Then you got to go all the way from 1978 to 1994 when David Robinson does it. Then you got to go all the way from 1994 to 2006 when Kobe does it. Then you got to wait another 11 years from 06 to 17 when Devin Booker does it. And then somehow in the last year and a half, three people have done it. Just goes to show a little bit the state of defense in the NBA. That three players in the last year and a half have put up 70 points. Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, and now Joel Embiid. And you look at the history, you had to go 13 years, 15 years in between 70-point performances. But interestingly, Allen Iverson never put up 70. Shaq never put up 70. LeBron never put up 70. And MJ who I think is the greatest basketball player of all time. We can have that debate. I know there's some LeBron people in the crowd here. But he only put up 69 MJ. MJ got close. But there's no denying that the defense severely lacks right now compared to what it used to be. Just look at the guys who've been able to put up 70 over the last year and a half compared to the history of the NBA. But Joel now also has 21 games in a row with 30 or more points. That is the fifth longest streak ever in NBA history. He's got a little ways to go to catch James Harden and some other players. But I just want to make sure that we are enjoying this greatness. Because we are watching one of the best scorers we've ever seen in a Sixers uniform. And look, we could talk about how Wilt Chamberlain was better. Not many of us were alive to see Wilt Chamberlain play. For me, I'm 40. So the best scorer I remember in a Sixers uniform was Allen Iverson. I was in high school during that 2001 season where AI carried this team all the way to the NBA Finals. I went to every single playoff game that year. That was one of the most fun rides I've ever been on with a Philly sports team 
was that playoff run in 2001. What a team they had, man. It's a shame, though. Any other season, maybe they win the championship if they didn't have to go up against one of the greatest teams we've ever seen in the NBA, that Lakers team that had Kobe and Shaq. Unbelievable team. But they got one game. And we'll all remember the Allen Iverson step over of Tyron Lue. Love that picture, man. Every time I see that picture or that video, just makes me smile. But what a team that was back in 01. But since Allen Iverson in the 2000s with this Sixers team, we've never seen a scorer like we're seeing right now with Joel Embiid. So I want to make sure that we all don't fall into the trap because I'm falling into that trap where I'm not enjoying the greatness we are watching in front of us right now. And we got a lot of time to debate about what they can do in the playoffs. And hopefully they get out of the second round. But I want to just take today and the next few weeks to enjoy the team we're watching. They're a likable team. They're a well-coached team. They do have a lot of depth. Joel is doing things we've never seen before on an NBA court. So enjoy it. And you look at the NBA this year, and this is probably the most NBA talk we've done without Kayla. Kayla will be joining the show tomorrow, so we'll talk more with her about the NBA. She does a great job covering the Sixers for us. But you look at the NBA, there is no dominant team like there has been in previous years. There's no Golden State Warriors team. There's no LeBron James when he was dominating with the Heat. There's no sure team that you say, yes, that team is definitely going to win the NBA. So it is a wide open race. It is a wide open race. You look at the Eastern Conference. Yeah, the Celtics are good. The Bucks are good. The Pacers were already good. How good are they going to be with Pascal Siakam now? We know the Miami Heat will turn things on when the playoffs arrive. They do it every year. But it's wide open. It is wide open for this Sixers team to make a run. And I'm still hopeful that Daryl Morey, as the trade deadline approaches, will do something to put them over the top. But until that happens, let's enjoy the greatness we're watching right in front of us. But good to see everybody in the chat. We're talking NBA. We need something because we should be preparing right now for the NFC Championship game. What we should be talking about right now are the matchups between the Eagles and the 49ers and the big rematch from last season. But unfortunately, the Eagles season ended way too early. And we'll talk about that because there is still a lot a lot of question marks with this team. And we'll get into the Eagles in a second, but before we do, let's talk a little Flyers. Because like I said, we need some positive things to talk about in Philadelphia right now because it's going to be a long long offseason. 
Last year's offseason for the Eagles was great. It was all positive. I have people on my Instagram telling me in the offseason that I was so positive. How could we not be positive last year? They had just dominated pretty much every single team they played. They dominated their way through the playoffs. Jalen Hurts had an unbelievable Super Bowl, put up a stat line that no one in NFL history has ever put up. It was all positive. And now, unfortunately, a lot of question marks this offseason. So we'll get into all of it. But we do need the positivity. So we got the Sixers playing well, winners of six in a row. We got Joel Embiid performing at an unreal level. Greatness right before our eyes. And we have our Flyers, the surprise of the year for us Philadelphia fans. They've dropped two in a row, but they're back in action tonight at home against the Tampa Bay Lightning, and we know how good the Tampa Bay Lightning can be. They still have Nikita Kucherov. They still have Steven Stamkos. They can put the puck in the net. So this is a big bounce-back game for our Philadelphia Flyers tonight. I haven't seen reports yet who's going to be in net, whether it's going to be Sam Erson or Carter Hart. Hart had a rough game on Saturday. So maybe they go with Sam Erson tonight because they're going to need it. You're talking about the Tampa Bay Lightning, top seven in goals in the NHL. But they do give up a lot of goals. So the Lightning put the puck in the net, but they certainly let up a lot of goals. They're number seven in total goals, but they're number 25 in goals against. But the big matchup tonight, for the Philadelphia Flyers and the Tampa Bay Lightning is the number one power play unit in the entire league with the Tampa Bay Lightning going up against the number two penalty kill in the Philadelphia Flyers. Strength on strength tonight. What breaks? What breaks? I think the Flyers are going to come out and play really hard after not only losing on Saturday where they pretty much got dominated by the Colorado Avalanche, but then blowing the two-goal lead on Sunday against the Ottawa Senators at home. So I think they come out with a lot of aggression tonight. As Peter LaViolette would say, with a lot of jam. Let's play with some jam out there. I think you get that tonight from our Philadelphia Flyers. But we do have some great things going on in this city. I know we all want to talk about the drama, and we'll get there with this Eagles team and the coaching staff and Jalen Hurts and the free agents and the personnel. But there are two good teams playing right now where in an ideal world, we're getting NBA playoffs and NHL playoffs going every other night in the spring and the summer. For me... I used to go to a lot of playoff games when the Flyers were in the playoffs. And there's just something about being down there in South Philadelphia before the games. It's hot outside because it's May and June. It's hot outside, and you're about to go see an NHL playoff game. In every sport, teams elevate their aggression and their play when the playoffs arrive, 
but none more than the National Hockey League. There is just a different feel, not only on the ice, in the building. As soon as the playoffs start, NHL hockey becomes a must-watch. And I've had people tell me who aren't even hockey fans that once the playoffs arrive, they turn on the NHL because it's unreal in the building. And there's nothing like sudden death overtime in playoff hockey. So I'm praying that this Philadelphia Flyers team continues on the pace that they are to get us playoff hockey back in South Philadelphia. Now, the interesting thing is if you have listened to John Tortorella, who spoke last week, or you listened to Danny Briere, who spoke a few weeks ago, this team isn't going to fall in love with any of their players. They're not going to deviate from the plan of rebuilding this squad. So as much as I want them to make the playoffs and you guys want them to make the playoffs and go on a run, if they see an opportunity to trade away a player that's going to help them a year or two down the road, they're going to do it. And as frustrating as that may be, it is probably the right move. As frustrating as it's going to be, if they get rid of one of these pieces, it's probably the right move because we don't want to fall into that trap again of just mediocrity with this Philadelphia Flyers team and organization. So I know some of the questions are coming when we're talking Flyers. Should they get rid of Carter Hart? I would not. I know a lot of Flyers fans are saying trade Carter Hart. I would not do that. We've had too many question marks in goalie for my entire lifetime as a Philadelphia Flyers fan. So right now we have two goalies playing well. Let's keep our goaltenders. A veteran player, Sean Couturier, would you trade him? I'd have to be blown away by the trade offer. I think he's a piece you continue to help with the rebuild. You need some veterans on this team. You need some players like Sean Couturier to help these young guys develop. But other than him, Travis Konechny, obviously Jamie Drysdale now, I'm not sure what other players would be quote-unquote untouchable with this Philadelphia Flyers team. And I see Joe Biden is the president. That's his name, by the way, on YouTube, asking what I trade TK. Definitely not. Travis Konechny would be untouchable for me. So we'll see what happens, but that'll be an interesting trade deadline for the Flyers because as much as we all want them to be buyers, not sellers, I don't think they're going to deviate from the plan, which is the smart thing to do. It's not going to be exciting for us Flyers fans, but it's probably the smart thing for them to do to build this organization and this team the right way, which they're finally doing. But that's enough Flyers talk. That's enough Sixers talk. We're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to dive into the Philadelphia Eagles because there's a lot of news coming out, coaching changes, not named Nick Sirianni. So we'll talk about it when we get back, guys. Hit that like button. Hit that share button. We'll be right back after the break. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes 
and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. What's up, everybody, and welcome back in to the Philly Sports Power Hour. I'm Bill Calarulo. Appreciate you guys spending this hour with me every day. I tell you that a lot, but I do. Enjoy this hour with my Power Hour crew, and I see you guys all in the chat. But before the break, we were talking about Joel Embiid's historic performance. We were talking about enjoying the greatness we are watching on the hardwood this year from Joel. We talked a little bit of Flyers. They got a big game tonight, trying to bounce back after losing two in a row. They got the Tampa Bay Lightning at the Wells Fargo Center tonight at 7, so check that out. But we need to talk about this Philadelphia Eagles team and this organization and what the hell is going on. So first of all, it was reported yesterday that Wednesday, Nick Sirianni and Howie Roseman 
will be holding their end-of-the-year press conference. No announcement has been made that Nick Sirianni is quote-unquote safe, but this is pointing towards the fact that he clearly is coming back as the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles next season. There was also a report that Nick Sirianni informed Sean Desai that he was being relieved of his defensive coordinator duties with the Philadelphia Eagles. So all of those things are intentional by this Philadelphia Eagles organization. They're not going to make the announcement that Nick Sirianni's job is safe because if they did that, then that would let everyone know that they even considered making a change to the head coach. So the way they're going to spin this is, of course, he's the head coach. They don't need to make an announcement because it was never even a question that Nick Sirianni was coming back. And that's why you're going to see the press conference with him and Howie. That's why you're going to see things get leaked like Nick Sirianni instructed Sean Desai that he was fired. And then reports came out yesterday from my man Derek Gunn who, like I said, was on the Legal Hands of the Face show last night. Make sure you check out that full interview. But he reported yesterday that all signs were pointing towards the fact that Brian Johnson will also not be coming back as offensive coordinator. That was then confirmed again today by Jeff McClain. That sources have told him that is correct. Brian Johnson will not be back as offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles. We also know that Matt Patricia, who took over for Sean Desai as far as play calling goes, with only four games left in the season, which turned out to be a disaster, will probably also not be back. He is not under contract with the Philadelphia Eagles next season. And all reports are he's going to explore other opportunities. So now the Philadelphia Eagles will be looking for both an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator. For the second straight season, obviously for completely different reasons than last year. Last year, they dominated everybody. Shane Steichen, phenomenal play caller. Jonathan Gannon, say what you will about Jonathan Gannon. That defense was pretty damn good last year. So they lose both coordinators last year after going to a Super Bowl because of success. They lose both coordinators this year after an epic collapse because of failures. Complete 180 on why they are looking for two new coordinators this coming season. But for me, and if you follow me, you know my position on this. I think you do bring back Nick Sirianni. But what I wanted to see was them bring back Nick, but don't sell us on bringing back Brian Johnson. Don't sell us on bringing back Matt Patricia. So for me, this is the perfect situation. This is exactly what I wanted. I wanted them to bring back Nick, but I wanted new coordinators on both sides of the football, and that looks like what we're getting. And I know there are still people here in the chat who want Nick Sirianni gone. And we've talked about this at length, guys. You know my position on this if you follow me. As angry as I was after that collapse 
as angry as I was after it looked like the team checked out against the Giants and then again in the wild card round against the Bucs, as bad as the offense looked, once you let your emotions subside and once you take a look at the overall picture, Sirianni should come back as the head coach. What he's done over the last three seasons earns him the right to come back. And I know a lot of people want to talk about he's a clown. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't call plays. He's only a cheerleader. You don't win as many games as this Philadelphia Eagles team has won in three years with Nick Sirianni as your head coach if he was simply a clown and a cheerleader. It's just not how it works in the NFL. It's not easy to win games in the NFL. And you can have a lot of success being that quote-unquote CEO-type coach. We've seen it. In fact, there are two CEO-type coaches who are going to be coaching on the sidelines on Sunday in these championship games. One of them's John Harbaugh with the Baltimore Ravens. We've seen them go through offensive coordinators. We've seen them go through defensive coordinators. John Harbaugh doesn't call plays. John Harbaugh doesn't put together defenses. He is a great CEO-type coach. Look at the Detroit Lions. Dan Campbell, another CEO-type coach. He's not calling plays. In fact, his offensive coordinator is the hot name right now. Ben Johnson, interviewing with every damn team that has a vacancy while he tries to prepare for these games, which I think is ridiculous. But you can have success as a CEO-type coach. But what I want to see now, now that it appears that we are going to get two new coordinators there's things I want to see from both of those. You go to the defensive side of the football. I don't necessarily like all of the names that we're hearing that they're interested in. We heard Wink Martindale, former D.C. of the Giants. We heard Mike Caldwell, former defensive coordinator of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Former Philadelphia Eagles linebacker, comes from the Andy Reid coaching tree. We've heard Ron Rivera. Another coach from the Andy Reid coaching tree who just lost his job with the Washington Commanders. What I like about those three names, especially Rivera and Martindale, are these are veteran coaches. These are older guys who have been in this league a really long time. That's what I kind of want to see. If they're not going to go out and get a Jesse Minter, who for me would be the holy grail, if you're not going to go out and get a young guy like Jesse Minter, then I like that they're looking at some veteran-type coaches to come in here. And to start to show Wine Niners Wine in the chat talking about Rex Ryan. Look, it would be a great story, Wine Niners Wine. Buddy Ryan's son coming back to Philly to be the D.C. I just never really thought Rex was that great. And maybe that's going to be a controversial statement. I just never thought Rex Ryan 
was that great of a coach. I also don't know if his personality is what I'm looking for right now from my defensive coordinator. That's what I like about a Ron Rivera, an extremely professional, respected coach who's going to come in here and immediately, immediately gain the respect of his players. And I see some people in the chat talking about Jesse Minter. Brian Lippincott makes a good point. Jesse Minter would probably be stolen after a year to be a head coach. Ron Rivera won't. Ron Rivera will probably never get a head coaching job again. And that's a good thing. If you're going to bring him in here as your defensive coordinator, you probably have him for a while. So for me, I am warming to the idea of a Ron Rivera as a defensive coordinator. And I see Adam's exploits in the chat saying he'd be a stopgap. I disagree. You could have a guy like Ron Rivera for a long time. How old is Ron? I don't think he's that old. Let's see. Ron Rivera right now is 62 years old. You could theoretically have Ron Rivera as your defensive coordinator for at least another five years. I'd be just fine with that. And again, I like the idea of a veteran guy. Now, you look at Ron Rivera's defenses or his defense from last year, it's hard to analyze it because, one, he was the head coach. And, two, they completely decimated the talent on that team. They started trading away all their best defensive players. So the commanders finished with the worst defense in the NFL last year, 32 out of 32 in terms of yards. 32 out of 32 in terms of passing yards, 26th in sacks, 27th against the run, 32 in points against, 26th in takeaways. Looks bad. But it's hard to analyze him when they did decimate his team. I mean, literally started trading away all his best defensive players. So I would really like a Ron Rivera. I'm starting to warm to that idea where maybe he may be at the top of my list would be a guy like Ron Rivera. I also like bringing in a guy like Rivera who's been a head coach in this league for two different organizations. Had a great run one season with the Carolina Panthers. He could be a nice sounding board. For Nick Sirianni. So I'm warming to that idea. Ron Rivera is a name I like. Now this may be controversial. I don't think I want Wink Martindale. I know a lot of Eagles fans love the idea that he blitzes number one or number two in the league almost every single year in blitz rate. It doesn't work. Blitzing that much in the NFL doesn't work anymore. They blitzed more than anybody in the NFL, with the exception of the Minnesota Vikings. And the New York Giants were 29th in the league in sacks. Philadelphia Eagles were 19th. So the Philadelphia Eagles had more sacks than the New York Giants did. And the New York Giants blitzed 25-30% more often than the Philadelphia Eagles. I just don't think that blitzing that much in today's NFL works.
Yes, I want to see a more, quote-unquote, aggressive defense, but that doesn't necessarily mean blitzing. There's ways to be aggressive without having to blitz 45, 50% of the time, which is what Wink Martindale is going to do. So I'm not a huge fan of Wink Martindale. Now, the other candidate's name that got thrown out there was Mike Caldwell. And if you watched the Legal Hands to the Face show last night with Derek Gunn, he really likes Mike Caldwell as far as a person, as far as a potential coach. But his issue with Caldwell was that he thinks Caldwell would come in here and be more of a yes man to this league, to this organization. He thinks he'd be more of deferring to Sirianni and Howie and Jeffrey, where I don't think you're going to get that from a Ron Rivera. This is a guy who's been established in this league for a really long time. And I think Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie and Nick Sirianni would be a lot more comfortable not micromanaging a guy like a Ron Rivera, where they may feel the need to micromanage a Mike Caldwell. And Caldwell's defenses weren't great last year either. I mean, the Jacksonville Jaguars weren't a bad team. He lost his job because they finished 22nd in the league in yards against, 26th in the league in passing yards against, 25th in sacks. They were decent against the run, top 10 against the run, but 17th in points against, 10th in takeaways. So... Out of the three names I've heard so far, I like Ron Rivera. There was another name, a fourth name, Ryan Nielsen, but he already got signed by who did who hired him? I just saw it yesterday, and now I'm drawing a blank. I know you guys probably are going to get it before I do in the chat. The Jags, Jacksonville Jaguars. So they fired Mike Caldwell. They hired Ryan Nielsen. So he was a name that also got brought up by the Eagles, but he's now off the market. So for me, Ron Rivera. That's who I would like. But then you look at the offensive side of the football. And what the hell are they going to do on offense? And we talked yesterday. One of the names that got floated was Jim Bob Cooter. I kind of want them to sign him just because I want to be able to say his name every week. I want to be able to talk about Jim Bob. What a play call by Jim Bob. But the reports today were, although Jim Bob Cooter is a candidate, he's probably not one of the favorites to land that job. But I talked to Derek Gunn last night, who usually has his fingers on the pulse of what's going on with this Eagles organization, and he said they're keeping it pretty close to the vest on the OC, that he hadn't heard any names outside of Jim Bob Cooter. And I see Wine Niners Wine saying Frank Reich, potentially. Do Staley, potentially. So it'll be interesting what direction they go in. Because I think Do Staley was just relieved of his duties, right? Well, he was relieved of his duties earlier in the year with the Carolina Panthers because he was on the Frank Reich staff. But you think about this, guys. Think about Ron Rivera as your defensive coordinator and Frank Reich as your offensive coordinator. Now, if that was to happen, you got two coordinators who have both been head coaches 
for two different organizations. Frank Wright coached the Colts. He coached the Panthers. Ron Rivera coached the Panthers, and he coached the Commanders. Two guys who have been in this league a really long time. We know Frank Wright can call plays. We know he has a good relationship with Nick Sirianni. We know Frank Reich was a big part, not the only reason, but a big part of Super Bowl 52 and that historic run by Nick Foles and our Philadelphia Eagles. So if they sell us on the idea of Frank Reich as offensive coordinator and Ron Rivera as defensive coordinator with Nick Sirianni as a CEO-type coach, I think I'm happy with that. I think I like that idea. And just like we talked about with Ron Rivera, not leaving you to become a head coach after a year, Frank Reich's probably not leaving you after a year. So now you could have some, what's the word I'm looking for here? Some continuity to your coaching staff. Well, we're not looking for new coordinators every year because let's face it, If they do go out and they bring in some young, offensive-minded coach who has a successful season, he's gone. But what I really like about Frank Reich, and I see Adam's exploits in the chat talking about, he's not a good OC. But what I like about Frank Reich is I want a guy who's going to come in here and be able to work with Jalen Hurts and the quarterback specifically. And we know Frank Reich can do that. We know Frank Reich did a great job with Nick Foles. And we know Frank Reich did a great job with Nick Foles and and Doug Peterson. Not taking it away from Dougie P. But they did a great job at working on Nick Foles' strengths. Building an offense that focused on what Nick Foles did well. They did that in season. Carson Wentz goes down, Dougie P, Frank Reich, John Filippo get together, and they create an offense where Nick Foles flourished. So you bring in a guy like Frank Reich, who does have a good relationship with Nick Sirianni, and you develop an offense, and you work with your quarterback. So what we saw this year doesn't happen again. That Jalen Hurts doesn't take a step back this year. That you help build an offense that takes advantage of Jalen Hurts' strengths. And you got a guy like Frank Reich in his ear who can help our quarterback. So I like that idea. I like bringing in two veteran guys that aren't going to leave next year. But none of this is going to matter if Howie Roseman doesn't learn from the mistakes he made this offseason. Because we talked about it at length this week. Howie Roseman, in my opinion, is the reason that the defense looked as bad as it did, they severely lack personnel. And I'm praying and hoping that Roseman learned his lesson and that we don't go into next season 
with no linebackers. That we don't go into next season trying to hit on one-year deals for our safeties and our slot corner position with little piecemeal aftermarket parts. Because you look at safety, they tried to bring in Terrell Edmonds on a one-year deal. They tried to bring in Greedy Williams. We don't even remember him. Cut in training camp. They tried to bring in Justin Evans, who's been hurt his entire career. How we failed this defense. And I don't know why a lot of people are giving Howie Roseman a free pass for the defense he built. Everybody wants to fire Nick Sirianni. But no one wants to talk about that it was Howie Roseman who gave you the personnel on the defensive side of the football. And when I talk negatively about Howie Roseman, I will give him credit when he deserves it, and he does deserve credit for the personnel on the offense. I think the offense had enough personnel, and that was more coaching than anything else. So I blame Nick and Brian Johnson and Jalen Hurts for what you saw on offense. But I don't blame the coaching staff for what you saw on defense. The majority of the blame for me is on Howie Roseman and the defense he built because he ignored way too many positions. And we'll continue to talk about the personnel because it's going to be a long offseason. But there are so many question marks. There's a few question marks on offense, but there are so many question marks on the defensive side of the football going into next season. Not just free agents either. Guys going into their final years of their deal. Guy was, guys with big cap hits this year that the Eagles need to make a decision. Are they going to restructure? Are they going to move on? So we'll talk more about that. But guys, like I said, I'm going to be sticking with you on Sports Take next with Rob Ellis. We're going to be joined by Joe Santaliquito to talk about his article he wrote about Jalen Hurts that we didn't really get into today. But we'll talk more about that. Some players questioning his leadership. Some questions about his play on the field, holding the ball too long. So we'll talk to Joe about that. We're also going to be joined by Keith Pompey to talk some Sixers after that historic Joel Embiid performance. So stay tuned on that. And make sure you're following me, like I said, on all your social media platforms. You can follow me right here on YouTube as well. Bill Calarulo and Legal Hands to the Face Sports Talk. You can check out that full interview with Derek Gunn. And follow me on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok and all those other platforms and engage with me. But like we end every Philly Sports Power Hour with a little Today in Sports History. If I can find my notes here. So January 23rd, 1950. Today in Sports History. There was a significant NFL rule change, a permanent rule change, and it was called the free substitution rule. And what that meant was any and all players could be replaced after any play, and they would not have to be removed for the entirety of the game. Before January 23rd, 1950, players just played. They played offense, they played defense, they played special teams, and if you took them out, they were done. So January 23rd, 1950, NFL changes the rule, and that paved the way for players to now specialize 
on offense or defense or special teams. But before that date, you played. You didn't come off the field. And if you did, you were done for the entirety of the game. So that's our Today in Sports History, guys. Hit that like button on your way out. I will see a lot of you, I'm sure, at Sports Take in a couple minutes with Rob Ellis. But I appreciate you. We'll be back here tomorrow on the Philly Sports Power Hour, and we'll be joined like we always are on Wednesdays by Kayla Santiago. We'll talk some Sixers, some Eagles. And make sure you check out the Fly Guys tonight. Big game for our Flyers. Talk to you guys soon, and as always, go Birds. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.